Bibles and turn to Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17, the first text we look at together here in just a few moments. Thank you for being here today. Your choice to join together in worship of our God is important uh, for us all. Uh, it's uh, no fun worshiping alone. And so that we can do that together, but that we can honor God with what we do. And remember the things that are done on our behalf is in very important. So thank you. Thank you for being here, visiting with us always. We're glad you're here. And I hope you come back every opportunity. So that's a good thing. For those of you who are Wednesday night, I told you my mom was in the hospital. Uh, her blood pressure stabilized. Uh, and they moved her to rehab. So uh, she'll be there for a couple of weeks, I'm guessing. So thank you for your prayers. They were answered for us at this time. So just... Just keep praying. And we thank you for, for always keeping us close to your heart. Years ago, uh, as you know how old I am, uh, years ago, President George H. W. Bush made an offhand comment. And he said, I hate broccoli. Uh, the next week, there was a dump truck load of broccoli delivered to the front gate of the White House. Uh, as if to say, well, here, you'll have all you want. Kind of thing. And... Uh, so the, the idea is that you know, it was just an offhand comment, but uh, it was remembered. I start this morning and, and just listen to me. I hate cancer. Okay. I hate cancer. Is hate too strong a word? Uh, I looked that word up, and, and it means to loathe, to detest, to despise, to dislike, to abhor. Should I go on? Uh, I want to talk to you today about things that as we move toward God, uh, there is this thing about you know, things that God hates. Okay? And we seem bent on delivering dump truck loads to his to the pearly gates and just saying, well, God, if you hate this, have, have a truck load. And I don't think that's how it should work. I think there are some things that God loves and that we would want to give his gifts to him on a continual basis. When I say I hate cancer, I hate, I hate that... Um, I hate what it does to, to the feelings and the relationships as it has affected my life and yours. But like a cancer to the soul, God hates evil and sin in people's lives. Now, in the Old Testament, translators would look at the word used for hate. Let's talk, let's talk about that for a moment. Uh, where lives were changed, the relationships were altered, and bad results happened. And in and one of those were Hebrew words is the word sane, okay? Uh, and it means to hate, okay? It's the hating that usually is referred to the opposition, the ill will, the, the aversion men have for, for another. Skip Owen writes it this way. He says, the extended perversity of the depravity of the human heart is expressed by the hatred of, and then he lists some things. When a husband hates his wife, Genesis 29, 31. When brother hates a brother, in Genesis 37 and verse 4. When a brother hates a sister, in Samuel 13 and verse 15. When neighbors hate each other, in Deuteronomy 19 and verse 11. When people, when poor people are hated by others, Proverbs 19 and verse 7. When a parent hates a son, Proverbs 13 verse 24, or a son hates his parents. And when nation hates nation, Isaiah 66 and verse 5. We're all familiar with those. And the idea being that what you see is the word hate 
It's a relational word. It's something to do between entity, between people, okay, between persons, okay? If I tell you uh, that I love you, and yet every action that I show you, no matter how I protest, do I love you, I love you, but I contribute to your sorrow and your pain. If I make you miserable and I cause despair in detesting you, I am not loving you. By my actions, and that's the measure of my love, the behavior that I do, by my actions I'm saying that I hate you. Okay? And so having said that, in Jeremiah 17 and verse 9, the heart, it says, is more deceitful than all else, and is desperately sick, who can understand it? When I think about that, it says there's, a, there's within us this idea that some of us are acting as if we hate God. And there are some things, I want to be honest with you, we'll talk about those today, some things that God hates that we're doing. And we keep doing them in dump truck loads. Now, so how does God feel when our actions against Him and each other are infected with this sickness, this cancer called sin? In Genesis 6 and verse 5, it says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. You want to make God sad? You want to make God, God just, you know, just ache inside? Then what you do is you, fight, is you let that sickness just take you over. You let that sin just become everything you are. I believe with all my heart that God hates what happens to each and every human when we choose to sin. He hates what it does for us. When you go over to Malachi, it says God hates divorce. You know, or God hates, you know, Proverbs, we'll go to Proverbs here in just a moment. In Proverbs 16, God hates certain things. And when you think about that, you know, the thing is, is that He doesn't hate the people. He hates what that does to them. He hates what, what happens to people when they choose to sin, when they alter their relationship, when bad results happen. Okay? He hates that. We hate that. I mean, how can we not understand that? And so I believe with all my heart that God hates what happens to people when they choose to sin. And yet I also believe with all my heart that God loves each and every human. I know that because He tells me that. In John chapter 3, He says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I believe that because, because God loves people. He created us. We are made in His image. And yet He sees what happens to us. And He's like a doctor all right, who sees what's happening. And you just can't stop it on your own because unless you find some cure for it. And I believe that that's the plan of redemption. I believe that in Jesus Christ, that God loves people so much that He can't bear to let them languish or suffer or be punished for their sin. And so he said, I will effect the cure. I will find the answer. And in my son, Jesus Christ, then I can accomplish this redemption and they can be saved. I believe that. So I hate cancer. It's like I hate sin. God hates sin. He loves you. The answer is Jesus. The second thing, I hate bullies. I've always hated bullies. The only way I ever made it through junior high school was because I was big enough to sit on them. 
Yeah, yeah. I was a little round boy, okay? And then about seventh grade, you know that, don't you? I tell those stories all the time in junior high. About seventh grade, I found three inches somewhere. And so now I was three inches taller and still pretty big around, kind of thing. And when the bullies would come after me like they did, I'd sit on them. One guy passed out. I sat on them so long and so hard. Yeah. I thought, well, we'll just solve this problem. I hate bullies. I do. I hate them. I hate their arrogance, their cowardice. I hate the willful disrespect of those they pick on as inferior. I want to share with you a passage of Scripture. If you have your Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 6. We're going to read, read we're, we will read, excuse me, Proverbs verses 16 through 19. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. You may be reading out of your New International, New American Standard, or uh, the Bible that you brought. But it's all pretty much the same wording across the board. But God hates... And it says that God hates the following. If you look at that, what comes of it is that you're seeing a, a personality. And I look at that and think, you know, that's kind of the bully. These people are bullies. Right? These people do these things. Kind of thing. They take it upon themselves in their arrogance and in their, in their pride to do certain things to other people by their actions. And God hates those actions. Because it doesn't respect others. It doesn't act with courage. It doesn't lift people up. Let's read together Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. It says, There are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things He detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows, who sows discord in a family, or your, your text may say, who spreads seeds uh, of discord among the brethren. Okay, among brethren. Look at the life of a bully, right, if I could. And you think, oh, this doesn't apply to me. Trust me. You know these people, or you are these people. Look at it together. There's, there's seven of them. The haughty eyes. We are a generation who cherish. I cannot get over this, okay? Is that the prejudice that lives in people? I cannot understand why the color of a man's skin or where he comes from in culture separates us the way it does. And don't sit there and tell me that you're not because I see it happen. We are a generation who cherish that haughty air of intrinsic superiority. That if they don't speak our language and they don't agree with us the way we want it done, then they are inferior. That comparison between what is us and our inferiors, that way of surveying the whole earth as if it were our private property, that lofty pride that ranks with the chief crimes of Satan himself. God hates that. He hates it when we are haughty. Same thing he says, he hates a lying tongue. Though it is only for a moment. We dislike lies because of their social inconvenience, but when they serve our purpose, we are so good to connive them and to approve of them. It's a little white lie. It's not either, it's just a lie. It's a half-truth. Half-truth is still half-lie, which makes it non-truth. Let me just point that out. 
But God hates the lying tongue, whatever apparent advantage comes from it. If we lie for personal gain, He hates it. If we lie from mere weakness, He hates it. If we lie in the name of religion for the welfare of men or the salvation of souls, it is nonetheless something God hates. The abomination does not consist in the motive of the lie, but in the lie itself. And Satan, Jesus says in John 8 and verse 44, is your father. Do not pray, our Father who art in heaven, with the same tongue that you lie to everybody else. Third thing, hands that kill innocent blood. In Genesis 4 verse 10, from the grave of Abel himself, the blood of a righteous man crying to the Lord from his grave, the person who is in carelessness or greed wearing down the poor, those who would willfully destroy the life of an unborn child, the person who is in passion rises up and murders his fellow man. These are hateful actions to the Lord because the innocent suffer. It's not their choice. The fourth thing is a heart that plots evil. I hear so many stories. There's so much abuse, violence, terror, so many cruel and wicked deeds that are perpetrated. I turn the news on. Turn the news on. And there's this, you know, they, the one news channel I watch, they make the habit nightly of you know, doing the police blotter, you know, kind of thing. You know, kind of thing. You just get to watch it, and then they walk through the whole thing for you. They were on the corner, and then they ran from the police, and then they beat up this, and then they get up. And it's like, you know, really? And at the, in the deepest, darkest, wicked imagination of certain human hearts, they plot this evil. And even now, are plotting evil. And, and, and God says, I hate that. That's not who you are. That's not who I created you to be. That's not what makes my world go round, if you will. That's not what was intended. The next thing he says are feet that race to do wrong. I'm going to share with you the buzzword. When I was a kid, and this was, you know, 100 years ago. And when I was a kid, the word was, okay, for, for the generation just ahead of me, for all the, the, the cool people, you know, that had cars, you know what I mean? Uh, and this one guy named Bear, okay? That's what his name was. He's a huge guy. And he drove an old green shady pickup. And Bear and I would go places. He'd take me places because I couldn't drive yet. So he'd take me to all the youth devotions. And when we went, his word was groovy. Things were groovy, okay? And, uh, and to just kind of share with you, you know, by the time I got to that age, and I was taking the kids around in my Volkswagen, so a big switch, okay, from, you know, truck to Volkswagen. But when I was there, the word was, things are cool. Remember cool? Okay, remember that word? You know what the word now is? Okay, I keep hearing, I'm bored. It just doesn't seem, you know, the kids nowadays look at you and go, I'm bored. I'm bored. You know what? Feast, feet that race to do wrong. Lazy feet. Lazy feet that when it comes to showing compassion, walking across to open a door or do a kindness, feet that are, that are lazy and serving other people instead of being celebrated all the time, actually taking off and doing something for somebody else. I am so tired of young people being celebrated. I get it. Okay, they, you know, the thing is, is that I told my kids the other day, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm preaching now. Okay? I quit preaching and started meddling. 
I told him, I said, you have the best health care, you have the most opportunities, the best technology, and you are bored out of your gourd, and you're the most entitled, spoiled children I've ever seen in my life. And they looked at me and said, so? Can't fight that, can I? And I don't say that, I told him, I said, and this is why I tell you that, okay? Don't think that I just, you know, rant on them. I said, here's the thing. I need you to step up and make a difference in this world. I need you. This was on 9-11, by the way. I need you to make this world a safer, happier place. But it doesn't start with you sitting on your bottom with a video game. It's when you step up. And step out and make a difference. Whether you're in the 4th grade, the 5th grade, the 10th grade, or you're 40 or 400. Because God hates it when we are bored. And there's so much to be done. But we'll break speed records. Break speed records to join the eagerness of any mischief or vandalism, assault against others, or disrespect of authority, and that they are marked by God, and He hates that. Next thing He says is that He hates a false witness who pours out lies. This is the drama monger, the poisoner of all social life, the destroyer of all injustice and prudence and self-control. It is the gossip, the dealer in half-truths, the perjurer on the witness stand of the law, the court of public knowledge. Watching the news the other day, and somebody floated out a letter that, you know, how are you going to respond to this? And, and the guy said, I never did that. And 50 people said he never did that. And still the letter came up anyway. And it's like, you know what? Some people just can't not. I know that's a double negative and I shouldn't use it, but I did anyway. You know, I can't not just share the information I have. You know, I can't just, you know, leave it alone. Because I've got to do this rumor thing. I've got to deal with this falseness kind of thing. I've got to try to poke holes in it. You know, sometimes truth is truth, and it's always truth. But the person who's a false witness and pours out lies destroys other people. They are a bully because they have information that might hurt other people, and they can't wait to use it. And God hates that. He hates that because it ruins lives and ruins relationships. And it's not what He created. It's not what He intended. The last thing is sowing discord in a family. You can write this down if you want to. I know this is important. Secrets kill families. You can write that down. Because it's true. Secrets kill families. Innuendo and skeletons in the closet keep families apart. I want to tell you anything borrowed and not returned, whether it's money or a butter knife, creates distance in a family. Advice unasked, grudges kept, keep that distance between blood relations and, if your translation says between brethren, also means the family of faith. God hates that. Because we were created to be one. Now, I've talked pretty rough at you. Sometimes we need that. But I wouldn't be fair if I didn't do this. If that's what God hates, then my question was when I approached this lesson, what does God love? 
That's what you want to know, isn't it? How can I make God smile? Amen? Oh, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, let's do Oh, goodness. Yeah. So let's flip that slide over and look at that. I want so much to tell you that God loves simply by turning over the coin of relationships. Not by being a bully, but by being a blessing. Take those seven things God hates and let's look at what He loves. Humble eyes that know their place before His throne. Luke 18 and verse 13. When the, when the publican stands at a distance in the temple and he beats his breast and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God loves the humble eyes that look down instead of, the, instead of being haughty. Secondly, he loves lips that speak the truth in love. But Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, then, we encourage or lift up or grow together. Okay? Speaking the truth in love. The hands that rescue the innocent. Jeremiah 22 and verse 3 says, This is what the Lord says. Be fair-minded and just. Do what is right. Help those who have been robbed. Rescue them from their oppressors. Quit your evil deeds. Do not mistreat foreigners, orphans, and widows. Stop murdering the innocent. God loves it when we rescue the innocent. He also loves hearts that possess the treasure of God's glory. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7, We have these treasures in jars of clay. This beautiful message of the love and the redemption of God. But we can be what God intended for us all along. And we can know that besides this sin that we have chosen, we can choose again and know His grace. When that happens, we have that treasure. Feet that share the good news. Romans 10 verse 15 says, How beautiful are the feet of those who share the good news. Feet that don't run to evil, but they run to share the gospel. Not just run toward the good, but run to share the gospel. You have to understand, this is not an either-or thing. I'm not talking either-or. Running toward evil, bad. Okay? Running toward good, Obvious kind of thing. But we're talking about running to share the gospel with people. We've got to go to the other people out there. And, you know, it's like Amy Grant saying years ago, you know, we've got to go so that they can know that they can go to the mountain of the Lord. Okay? Yeah. I'd love to live on the mountaintop. I'd love to be in God's presence all the time. That would be great. But what about the people in the valley below who don't know that they can go to the mountain of the Lord? I've got to go tell those people how beautiful are the feet of those people who do that peacemaker between God and the people he loves. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9, one of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called children of God. A Christian who works for unity in the bond of peace. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3, he says, maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. If we have any fellowship with Christ, any, any, any advantage from his suffering, he says, then let us have the attitude of Christ and let's live for unity instead of discord. Let's quit building walls and let's quit building, let's quit building the, you know, the fences and let's start doing some things that are important and that's bringing people together before God. Finally, I'm going to tell you this. I hate cancer. I hate bullies. And I hate the dark side of my old self. When I look in the mirror, and I, I'm convinced of this, a lot of people, if they're honest with themselves, 
They look in the mirror and they see their regret. They look in the mirror and they see their failures. They have to self-talk themselves, which is why I believe a whole lot that there, there, there weren't many mirrors back in the day. But sometimes you just see it all over a person's face. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 43. God says, There you will remember your conduct and all the actions by which you have defiled yourselves. And you will loathe yourselves for all the evil you have done. I want to tell you something about Ezekiel. In a world governed by a mantra of self-esteem, Ezekiel probably, since that's how we live today, how's your self-esteem? Are you feeling good about yourself? You know, kind of thing. Let's celebrate you, kind of thing. Ezekiel probably did a good job. He probably be fired. Actually, he was. The people in those days were not much different than people in our day. They didn't want to have some man of God telling them that they were despicable. That their fathers before them were despicable. That they needed such a good soaking in self-loathing. But that's what the prophet Ezekiel communicated. The Hebrew word is kush, meaning to despise, to feel revulsion towards something or someone or to abhor. In an age when a visit to church is an expectation of feeling good, the upbeat and the hopeful, and we should run out of here, you know, dancing in the streets. Ezekiel probably couldn't get a job here either. But Ezekiel is right. Actually, it's God who's speaking. Without hatred, now follow me closely on this. Without hatred for the former things, and for the legacy of those former things, how it came to be that way, there won't be much reason to praise either. You know why I can walk out those doors today and I can thank God for the redemption I have in Jesus Christ that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know why that means so much to me? Because I know who I was. And I know that in the dark side of myself I know what God saw and I know what He redeemed. Rescue doesn't mean much. It's only to improve my self-esteem. The righteous are characterized by their abhorrence of all that is wicked. And the sight of men deliberately rejecting God's ways should cause us enormous grief. First, because we love God and we know that He grieves Him. That He hates that. And second, because we were at once on that side of the fence ourselves. The message to those who are in rebellion is pretty simple. From the prophets to Jesus to the church... The message of the gospel has always been the same. Repent. Don't expect sympathy. Don't expect justification, rationalization, or excuses. Turn around. Face yourself and see who you really are or who you were. Recognize the monster in the mirror and hate what you see so that you'll be able to walk away from that oh so familiar face. For those who have been rescued, looking back is often painful. Be honest with me. Because this happens to me. You ever wake up early in the morning and somehow, someway, something you did in the past just kind of, kind of a bubble pops? And you're kind of like, where did that come from? But I still feel bad about it. You know what I'm talking about? You know? Yeah. And I, and I pray to God, God, please forgive me. And God says, I've forgiven that. 
I know, forgive me again because I know who I was and I know what, I, what, what happened when I did that and I'm sorry I did that and I don't want to do it again. He goes, I know. I know. And then I get up and I look at my face in the mirror when I haven't slept much and I've got all this regret. And the only way I can smile is because thank you, God, through Jesus Christ. There's good reason for that pain, not the least of which are reminders of how we long to leave it all, how long it took to do so. And I can guarantee you, if you are with me on that, you have no desire to return to the sewers where we once made our home. It's nice to know that we don't belong there anymore. It's nice to know we are no longer that old face in the mirror. First Peter chapter 1, and I'll end here. Chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, Prepare your minds for action. Be sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am. I see a group of people moving toward God. And we've got to know that there's some things about us that God hates when we do. He looks at the world and he hates it and he sees that. But he's got an answer. He wants your face to be different. He wants you to look with redemption eyes. He wants you to see with relief what he's done for you. He wants to change that face of the monster and make it a beautiful face that lives for the gospel, walks in beauty, and does the things that God would have done and intended to be done from the very moment he saw him coming into this world. <clears throat> there are some things I hate.